Welcome to the Dairy Dive. My name is Scott Harris. Today we're talking organic, so buckle up because we're diving deep. First of all, we hope we can try to educate you so you learn just a little bit, a little bit. My whole life's been dairy farming. Some days you wonder why you ever milk cows. It's kind of just in the blood around here. I don't know what it is, but we like livestock. Buckle up. The Dairy Dive starts now. All right, so at this time, we're going to bring in our guest. It's a guy that I've known for a very long time, and uh, I would consider him a friend of mine, but also uh, we do some business together, but a guy named Josh Elsing with Grow Source. And uh, Josh, welcome to the Dairy Dive. I believe it's your first time on this podcast, but uh, welcome. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that, Scott, very much. I uh, appreciate you having me on. And yeah, you're right. We've, uh, we've in some capacity, have known each other for quite a few years. And, uh, you know, it's a pleasure to get, you know, get to know you and, and the Master's Choice Group over almost uh, its inception, you know, when, when Lynn Crabtree yeah. had it. And, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been very fun to watch the company grow and, and uh, see where it's going in the future here. Absolutely. We appreciate that. So for those of you who aren't, for those listening maybe who aren't familiar with you and, and what GrowSource is, why don't you start there tell us who you are and, and what is GrowSource and where you guys are located and what you do. Sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. So uh, for those that don't know, I'm Josh Helsing. I am the founder of uh, GrowSource. Uh, it, was a, it was a brainchild or a brainstorm of mine I had many years ago. And, um, you know, I worked with some other companies, had an independent business for a while. I sold that to another company, went to work with them, actually brought in the master's choice line into that company and uh, later on had resigned as a, as a general manager for a couple of facilities here in the Midwest and started a new business. And the, the, the concept I had with this business is I, I really saw a few holes in the industry. And one of the things that we saw was finding these innovative, smaller companies and uh, uh, bringing and shedding some light on what they they were doing and um, not only that but also uh, trying to cater to the small independent retailers out there I felt that they still had the biggest heart um, for for the dairyman for the crop farmer organic conventional whatever you you know whatever it might be and so the concept I had was creating an innovative company that was non-biased we could go out and do our own independent research and figure out how, what was actually working and what what we could validate and bring back to uh, a retailer bring back to a farmer direct whatever it might be and take that bias out and we do a lot of hooking of companies you know company five product eight company 12 product 12 you know or 18 whatever it is and we start putting them together and and you know sometimes we really find the magic in that scenario and one of the pigeonholes that we see in the industry is when you're only a, a maybe a retailer for a one or two different companies you oftentimes can lose that side so as a sourcing agent to farmers direct and and other uh, retailers um, we really take that bias out and we can we could come in and say, hey, guys, we really think this is working in your area for this particular situation. So that's what we do. And we've had a we had a pleasure working with a lot of good companies. When we started off, we had, a, you know, some of them we already knew, like Scott, we had a great relationship. So those were easy to come into. We've just absolutely been flabbergasted by by what your guys' genetics have done in the dairy industry. So that was that was definitely a no brainer. But we had to go look for some. And now what's happened is we get a lot of companies coming to us saying, hey, check this out. Try that. Try this. And um, so we that's that's kind of what we do. So awesome. Yeah. I mean, GrowSource is, is an impressive group to work with. And Josh is a knowledgeable guy. So that's why I wanted to pick his brain this morning 
Uh, I say this morning like you're only listening to it in the morning. We're recording it in the morning, so I guess that's good enough. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but uh, you know, today we're talking organic. And, and organic, and, and just because you are, uh, if you're listening and you're a trait guy, don't shut the podcast off. Continue to listen because <laughs> there's going to be some very good information that will still apply to you. But, uh, you know, when, when you hear organic, Josh, that's one of those words I, you know, let's use the phrase buzzword. Yes. Um, that's yes. especially, but I think when, when, you know, I know we have some non farmers that listen to this podcast as well. Um, and you hear organic and you see organic on your, your stuff at the grocery store and you think it all, uh, you know, don't really know what it means. So let's define that just a little bit to start, Josh. Kind of define for us what is the difference between organic farming, non GMO slash conventional. And what most people would consider standard farming these days. Yeah, well, I, you know, that's probably about as clean as a subject as, a, as the Mississippi after a hard rain, right? I mean, uh, we can't <laughs> see but maybe an inch in. And I think there's yeah. a lot of misconception in the industry. And, you know, fortunately for us, we get to work on both sides of that equation and and have for many years. We've, we've helped hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of farms transition organic. Now, you know, probably, obviously, the mainstay of our business is in the conventional sector, but, you know, we're we're blessed and fortunate to be able to work on the other side and we've got a lot of good a lot of great staff uh, um, that you know know more than what i do even and and it's a uh, it, it's fun to be there and i think when we look at on a consumer basis how maybe a consumer looks at that um could be a little bit different than maybe what you, you know uh how a farmer might look at it or whatever that is. So really we've got to define how are we looking at the industry, but you know, the organic sector really follows a set of rules set in place by the national organics board or standards board. And when you get and dive into that kind of deep hole, um, you know, it continues to get deeper depending on what you're trying to do. So there are some, you know, you have certifiers that have to follow a set of rules and uh, inside of that set of rules can be another set of rules. And some of those are imposed on by food companies, small, some very big, you know, Gerber can do that uh, for baby food, different things like that. And it can set uh, more strict parameters as to what agriculture can do if they're going to supply to to those manufacturers or, you know, of, uh, in the food industry. So there's organic farming and then there's sectors within organic farming that can become even more strict. But really, it's set by a national precedent, followed up through by local certifiers. And then, then the set of rules below that can can get more strict or stringent as depending on your outcome or wherever that product might be going. You know, then you get into the non-GMO slash conventional market, and really this is more of a marketing sector than it is anything because you know, we're beginning to see a lot of things labeled. This is that muddy water area, even in organics, it's getting kind of muddy, but uh, we're seeing different standards come out. But in this sector, we begin to start to see things like, uh, you know, non-GMO, no hormones, uh, grass fed, different things like that. And, you know, some of that, there's some definite merit to some of that, depending on the marketing and, and different, you know, the public's opinion as to what, you know, they're looking for in, in, in their food mm -hmm. source. You know, the non-GMO thing basically is just simply saying it's it's not genetically modified. It's very simple. It has nothing to do with grass-fed. It has nothing to do with anything else because there's certain crops, obviously, we can't genetically modify. And, you know, there's different terminology in that world, you know, genetically altered, uh, gene edited, or some other ways to say that. So that GMO market, Scott, is, is you know, it's a fast-growing market. I believe at one time, 
uh, the numbers were, and don't don't quote me on this, but I think the, the conventional sector was growing at 3%. The organic sector was growing somewhere around 12%. I believe the non-GMO sector was somewhere around 22. It was actually the fastest growing sector. And we do see people in the industry, both in the crop production, dairy production, you know, going towards that trend of this non-conventional or non-GMO trend. And part of that's, you know, can be looked at as, you know, plant health, crop health, production, um, just overall seed cost, uh, market driven, mm-hmm. whatever that might be. And then we have the conventional sector and that conventional sector really encompasses everything. And although, you know, obviously in agriculture, we're actually seeing more regulation and more rules today. I sit on a lot of soil water boards. I'm a county commissioner myself in our local county. I've, I've sat on state boards, different things like that, ag, ag advisory boards, and, you know, continuing to fight for the farmers and continuing to fight, you know, to make sure that the economics stay, um, for a global market. So uh, those are really, in a nutshell, the three ways to, uh, you know, really kind of define those things out. Do you think that the the growth, because I would agree with you, I don't know about the exact numbers either, but I, I would agree that it is growing on the non-GMO and uh, organic. Um, do you, what's your opinion? Do you think some of that growth or the majority of that growth is coming from let's say GMO, traditional GMO farmers moving that direction, or is it people opening up maybe what would have been um, maybe unfarmed area and going organic with it, or maybe it was just a hay field that they're now converting into into grain or something like that, or do you think it's a mix? Well, if we just look at the USDA, I believe every year kind of be in in that world a little bit just on more of the government side you know i don't believe that i think the crp acres are maxed out again and um so we know that it's really a transitional base from conventional farming and you know it's driven by some of it's just pure of heart some of it is uh driven by the economic or the you know the economical factor uh with that Mm -hmm. um whether it's the outgoing marketing side or whether it's the input side um so yeah i think i I think the majority of it though i mean there's so many farm tillable acres and you know outside of the crp acres we're really not harvesting any more woodlands Uh, i believe the dnr is still actively (laughs) unfortunately trying to buy our land all the time so um you know, I believe it's just got to be coming from that sector. That's got to be the majority of it. That makes sense to me. Yeah. So, so what are the biggest challenges? So you talked about it's growing. So obviously there's more people coming into the space, but I know that there's challenges in that space. So what are the biggest challenges that are facing some of the organic farms today? Yeah. Well, you know, that's really speculative. Um, that's, it's, it's subject to opinion because I think if you went to, any particular part of the country, you're going to find different challenges. Um, you know, if you just went to, you could go to two neighboring farms and probably find two different different cha- or two different challenges. But you know, I think if I had to kind of narrow that down, what we've seen in the last 20, 25 years, um, you know, being involved in this sector, I, I think we'd have to say marketing would probably be right up there at the top. Um, there just isn't the the consistent um, source to go to for some of these that we've seen companies rise and fall, um, you know, come in, try to try to take claim to that. It's gotten way better um, but uh, than what it was even a decade ago. But just that consistency and a place to go with the out with, the, you know, with the end product. Now in the dairy industry, it's a little bit different. You know, we've kind of mm-hmm. commercialized uh, milk production a little bit in the organic industry. We've got some, you know, really good co-ops out there that people work with and some private ones that people work with um but uh that you know 
it, it's tough when you've got a bushel of wheat or oats or barley at, you know, $4 this year and the next year it's $8. Well, how do you plan yeah. around that? And, you know, and how do you feed around that? And, you know, if an organic dairy has got to buy grain in um, and one year it's $8 and the next year it's $12, what's that look like on a cash basis to the farm? That's a, that's a big difference. So, you know, just that, that market volatility, the output, the input side can really be a, a big factor in, you know, and no different than conventional farmer, but we tend to see the swings and we tend to see the difficulties a, a little stronger in, in that organic industry. Um, if I had to pick another one, I would think, you know, and this a little bit is based off from this market, but it's, it's the rotational base or what we can grow based on that market, meaning making it difficult to put a rotation into place um, that can be profitable. So there's some years we see farms that don't make anything on a certain amount of the acres. They break even and they lose slightly, but, you know, they're setting themselves up for the higher dollar crops, such as corn or, you know, something that they found a market to. Right. Um, so that's always a challenge. You know, if we look back 10, 15, 20 years ago, the technology that we have today is just unbelievable. The genetics we have today is unbelievable compared to what we had back then. And I've told many people, if we can't make it on organic farming today, I, I, I don't know how we ever made it 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. yeah, I never actually didn't think about that, but that's 100% true. It is. And, you know, so so those things that really come into play between equipment and, and genetics. And, I mean, you guys have stepped up to the plate and introduced a lot of really neat things to the you know, organic industry as well. And, and, you know, especially on the on the dairy side. And so, yeah. And then, you know, the inputs, you know, things. That, and again, that 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 basket has gotten immensely bigger for the organic uh, farms, dairies, you know, whether we're trying to treat an animal, whether we're trying to treat the soil, grow a crop, nitrogen probably being the biggest factor. It always is. We deal with it all around the country. We broker things and we sell stuff to organic farms and dealers all over the place, right down to manure. We broker, we ship manure sometimes across multiple states just because of the nitrogen. Wow. So yeah, it's, wow. it's That's crazy. Sweet. Yeah, it really is crazy. And um, so I think the farthest we've ever gone was four states, if you can believe. That. Oh, wow. And, you know, so there's but, you know, with the with the invention of these end fixers that are, you know, organic certified or approved and some of the things that are out there, the tools that we have in the toolbox, it's made a big difference for dairies on on, you know, managing their manure better, uh, the crop farmers on, on this nitrogen input side. And so I would say those are probably be kind of the top three there um, that I would, I would yeah. put in play. There's the transitional based and weed control and dairy health and animal health. We can get into all that. But, uh, you know, years ago, I used to do pro procurement meetings for Organic Valley that asked me to come in and speak. And I used to have a topic and eventually I just gave up, Scott. I just handed out pieces of paper and I said, I'm going to go second. I'm going to go in the afternoon. I'd literally bring a yeah. piece of a whiteboard and say, hey, um, write down your biggest fears of transitioning to organic. So I'd have this stack of paper and I could spend four or five hours. Sometimes the meetings would go over two, three hours and we could just discuss all yeah. the problems. So, yeah. Well, that, that leads us perfectly into kind of my next question is someone, you know, listening or they've been thinking about organic or, or maybe you've tripped a trigger for them. Um, what does that look like? How do, you know, you don't just dive off into it, I can assume, but, uh, <laughs> Uh, what steps should they be taking yeah. to to examine that and go into that? Well, you know, your risk factor is is a big part of that, Scott. And you know, uh, seeing this, um, and I don't mean this in any 
sort of uh, conceited or, 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 you know, I'm not trying to brag of, by any means, but, you know, having done a lot of that work with, we work with some of the biggest farms in the country, we work with some of the smallest ones and, you know, we, size doesn't matter. It's really comes more down to where is your farming practice today? How dependent are you on things like sides and, and you know, the, the, the things that you're going to lose when you go organic? And same thing in a dairy herd. You know, if you've got sick cows all the time and the vets out there all the time and, and you got issues and you got DAs and I'm a former dairy nutritionist, so I, I, I understand that world fair, very well. Um, you know, you, you better get things right before you want to go step in into this organic world because you lose all those band-aids so the closer you are to not needing all those things the easier it is going to be transition and the other thing is you know you can just kind of tell when people are doing it for their heart you know they got their heart and their head in it or do they are they doing this for financial reasons so when you can kind of see that and maybe you know hey there's got to be a way to cheat the system in this organic thing right which i'm sure happens we know it. we see it in the papers every once in a while but i tell everybody hey that's a short-lived life if you're going to go down this because it's it's a tough road to hoe um you know when you're looking at wanting that 30 dollars milk check or you want 12 dollars grain mm -hmm. you know you, you better do it for more than that because there's going to be times you're going to want to give up so what i recommend scott is don't jump off the deep end you know tread water a little bit <laughs> go talk to your neighbors find somebody that's organic get a good team behind you talk to some experts you know uh, get start asking the pertinent questions and and get involved with somebody that comes in and says hey maybe before you do this um you know take a look maybe you should figure out how to fix these other things first a little bit get, let's get a little closer to the end goal before you dive in the other one that i see scott that i'm going to throw out here is oftentimes, you know, we'll see conventional prices drop in some sector, the dairy sector, grain sector, whatever it is, and the organic prices look really lucrative. So guys say, well, hey, I want to get in on this market. Well, they got to remember, they got a three-year transition. And oftentimes, by the time they get transitioned, the market's the other way. The conventional market is right. good, and the, and the organic market's in the mm -hmm. tank. So one of the things that I've coined over the years is if you're really looking to go organic, the best time to do it is when you got high conventional prices. It makes that transition period because you got to sell all that trans transition crop as conventional, and it makes it yeah. a lot easier. So Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. That's exactly what I was Because I know I was pretty certain it was a three-year transition period. And, and, you know, it's kind of what – it's like you know, you're, if you're just, and it's like you said this early on, Josh. If you're just chasing the money of it, that's tough. It um, is. Yep. Um, because you can't, you know. I think we get in our heads. Well, my input costs are this. Well, if I keep those just a little, maybe I have to go up a little bit, but I can sell it for sell my corn for this price now. Well, first of all, you don't know what that market's going to look like in three years, like you just said. And I That's almost right. guarantee you that most individuals underestimate how much more their input costs are going to go up. <laughs> well, you know, one thing we have seen, Scott, is actually a lot better balance in the input cost in the conventional and the organic sector and being very fortunate mm -hmm. that we have products that go both ways, right? There's some things yeah. that we actually have some OMRI listed, which, are, which is uh, uh, like a label the United States uses from a certifier. That's kind of blanket. Uh, there's EcoCert. There's different ones in the countryside, but we have things that are Omri listed in our our toolbox that we have more conventional farms using on a per acre than what we do, you know, organic farms. And we're starting to see that cross section in this in in this whole kind of agriculture section of 
the conventional market really kind of looking at the organic market, especially as we see these buzzwords like soil health and, you know, cover crops and biology. We finally figured out there's more than just chemical and physical farming. We actually have this little thing called biology. <laughs> and so, and, yeah. you know, it's something that, uh, that the organic farms have had to get right, you know, get their soils right, you know, get that soil structure right, you know, really focus on, on these healthy soils. And the biological aspect is a big part of that. And we're seeing a lot of cross cross use in those products now um, because, you know, the conventional farmers are smart. They're saying, hey, what are these guys over here doing? How are they getting 200 bushel corn? They don't have all the things we have. Maybe we should pay attention. So. Yeah, no, that's great. That's a good point. So, so any other any other things we talked? You covered a lot of stuff and thrown a lot at guys uh, today. But you know, any other key points or advice um, you'd like to pass along to those out there that are maybe currently doing organic or just still again considering going into that space? Any other key things you want to hit on, Josh? Yeah, um, you know, I think there's a couple things. You know, are people getting into organics? Are they getting out of organics? Is it stable? Is it flatline? What is it? And, you know, we do see, unfortunately, you know, some of the small dairy farms dropping out. We see, uh, um, you know, people are retiring. The guys in the stanchion barns or the little parlors and, you know, they're 65 years old and kids don't want to do anything. And, you know, they're off the farm or maybe just want to crop farm. So we do see this little, you know, we see kind of that trend moving downwards in that dairy sector and we're seeing the larger dairies pick up the slack and the same thing in the grain world and so with that you know what we're what i think we're going to see is competitive or more competitive organic farming there was a fair amount of what i coined do nothing organic farms or or farming by neglect or organic farming by neglect where you know you could almost just kind of do what you needed to do, put seeds in the ground and milk the cows. And there was enough money there on the output side to keep going. And I think those days are, are, are virtually done. Um, and so it's going to challenge the organic sector to continue to improve and it's going to be more competitive. And, um, so as those things, you know, and that's just agriculture as a whole, right, Scott. So, you know, we're seeing in the conventional dairy sector everywhere. So, you know, I just continue to tell these organic guys, don't get complacent. Don't think going organic is, you know, Oh, you know, I don't have to do anything. Um, it's, it's going to be intense. It's going to be, you're actually going to become probably an even better manager. So continue to educate yourself, continue to look for what resources are out there, maximize every acre. Um, you know, that's something that you guys are phenomenal at when we start looking at tonnage and digestible feeds and, and usable, usable starches and, and getting more usable feed out of every acre. So mm-hmm. we don't have to have every acre, you know, or more acres put in the corn silage, how much to corn, whatever it is. And we can open up you know, more acres to go do other crops with them. So, you know, it's this, it's, it's don't become complacent because the market is going to go around you. The industry is going to go around you. And we saw a fair amount of that early on and it's, it's really dissipating and disappearing. Um, So that, that would be probably one of the biggest things, um, you know, was just continuing to encourage these organic guys to, 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 to do the best they can. So they don't define themselves what we see happening in, in part of that industry. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so there's a lot of good information. And uh, if someone wants, you know, uh, hopefully you guys uh, have already picked up on this, but Josh does know what he's talking about. 
Um, and so, uh, um, if you'd like to, if someone wants to maybe pick your brain, Josh, work with you in some form or with GrowSource, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah. So we, you know, we've, we've got two locations that we, you know, the main location, then another office warehouse location. We're kind of scattered throughout the Midwest, but, uh, we, you know, we ship all over the country. So really, you know, calling us, we're, you know, we're always a phone call away or you're, you're within a few states. We'll definitely drive three, four states. But, um, you know, the easiest way to probably get a hold of us is just to call our main office. Uh, that number is 507-932-8500. And uh, there actually are several Joshes there. Um, so, and the other Josh, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a very bright, came actually from an organic farm. Uh, he's another phenomenal person, a resource, Jeff, Mickey, Jake, Josh, um, you know, everybody there is really good. So they could call there. You can go on our website. It's uh, growsourcesolutions with an S on the end dot com. Um, or you can email me direct if you'd like. J Elsing. That's E L S is in Sam I N G. So J Elsing at growsourcesolutions dot com would probably be the easiest ways. Yeah. What's the deal with that, Josh? I don't consider you an egomaniac or anything, but what's, your, what's the deal? You're hiring only Josh's. What's going on here? <laughs> You know, actually, there's <laughs> kind of a running joke in our in our company when we start tallying up all the Joshes, either through some of our vendor networks or internally. And it's uh, I think we got to come up with like the the Josh one, like the thing one, thing two, thing three, thing. You know, we got to start naming, well, putting a number behind yeah. us. So there you go. It's well, I guess Josh is good for all time zones. So that's the way to there it is. the safe way to do it. Good name to do it. Well, again, thanks, Josh, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Scott. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, happy harvest. Everybody. Everybody have a safe and happy harvest, and uh, hopefully the good Lord blesses us with uh, um, with a good harvest. Absolutely. Uh, double that. Amen to that. So if you enjoyed this uh, podcast, we hope you did. Uh, definitely take the time to subscribe. Uh, we try to put these out uh, every other week on Wednesdays and uh, have some other ones lined up that we're uh, recording soon with some really good content. Go back and check out some of the past episodes. There's some some really good stuff in there. You can check us out on Facebook also, uh, Master's Choice or Rob Seco. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, the Master's Choice website is seedcorn.com, or there's a, still some really good videos out on YouTube that you can check out as well. And, and hey, the new hybrid guides are out. They are hot off the presses. So if you need one or need a few, uh, you can email me, harris at robseco.com, and we'll definitely get you some more. So with that, we are done with the dairy dive. We have dove as deep as we can dive today. That was a lot of words in a short amount of time. Well, but thank you, guys. <laughs> Hope everybody has a great day.